Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Creative control, creative control Comedy, art, and sometimes rock and roll Let's do a public opinion poll Raise your hand if you love creative control Cause when Vish is unleashed, well you... Oh, sorry, I didn't see you there I was just working on a tribute song to my favorite podcast, Creative Control, with Vish Khanna. My name is Matthias, and I play in a band called The Burning Hell, but more importantly, I support Creative Control on Patreon, and I think you should too. Quality long-form arts journalism is like a magical talking unicorn. It definitely exists, but it can be really hard to find. Fortunately for us, Vish makes it easy with hundreds of funny, thought-provoking, well-researched and engaging interviews with artists from all over the world. Your flexible monthly donation on Patreon will get you plenty of special exclusive treats and help Vish keep his podcast well-fed and cared for properly, the way a magical unicorn deserves. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. Dan Behar is a beloved and talented musician, songwriter, singer, and producer who calls Vancouver, British Columbia home. Beyond his work and membership in bands like The New Pornographers, Swan Lake, and Hello Blue Roses, for over 25 years, Behar has created wonderful music under the name Destroyer, whose discography grows ever more impressive with each new release. The latest Brilliant Destroyer album is no exception. It's called Labyrinthitis. It's out March 25th, 2022 via Merge Records. And it prompted Dan and I to have another fun conversation, this time about our mutual respect 
for the late Dallas Good of the Sadies, the dark humor of his lyrics and fascinating production choices by John Collins on the bass forward Labyrinthitis, Bob Marley, Jim Morrison, and Oliver Stone, whether or not Italy was a muse for him on these latest songs, Hypochondria and Hearing Loss, where Destroyer's musical and poetic influences are floating in from these days, the prospect of touring and new ways of making Destroyer music, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you, who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control with additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, and friendly staff who will happily help you source special orders for hard-to-find titles, which you can learn more about at their website, blackbird.ca, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planted Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 674 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Dan Behar of Destroyer, with your host, me, Vishkana. The mythic beast Do you remember the sound of it singing? Ring the steel bell I don't feel well I confess I don't feel much like singing Dust tunes got three words Ding, ding, ding Now repeat after me Hey Dan, how's it going? It's going really good That's great That's great to hear Where in the world are you? Oh, wait a minute Hang on Hold the phone. You didn't ask me how I was. What's going on, Dan? You don't care? You don't care about me? Is that what's going on? Well, you jumped. You, you, launched, you launched straight into it. You didn't even give me a chance to say, how are, how are you feeling? Oh, that's true. I, that's rude of me. It's just a, it's a recurring bit I've been doing. I've, I've, it's mostly Americans, I've noticed. They don't, they don't ask me how I'm doing. Really? So it is rude. Yeah, I, it's a phenomenon. It's almost uncanny, often Americans. But then, every once in a while, it's a, a fellow... Canadian and it says nothing. It's just a thing that occurs, you know. It's not. Isn't we're all this. Isn't also a Canadian <laughs> thing where, um, or maybe it's just a West Coast thing where, like, you pass someone that you kind of know on the street and you say, "How's it going?" and their response is, "How's it going?" and there's, it's not. <laughs> yeah. There's no. There's no response that is expected. It's just more like a instead of saying hello, it's a "How's it going?" but you're not expecting an answer. It's like a courtesy echo chamber. Yes, you're trying. You're, you're trying to be polite, but really, did, did you even? Are you even listening to me? It's an acknowl- I, It's an acknowledgement that you know the person. Yeah, it's odd. Anyway, I'm fine. Did you ask in the end? I'm fine. I'm I'm fine. I Thank did. you for. Sorry. Thanks for asking. My, mine uh, was <laughs> mine was actually slightly too sensitive. I think I asked, "How are you? How are you feeling?" Which is how uh, am I feeling? Kind of more personal I, than than how how's it going. As we're speaking, uh, a war has broken out in Europe, uh, or in, uh, well, yeah, Russia and Ukraine there, and it's a bad, that's bad. Uh, yeah, it's really bad. It's bad out my, there. Yeah, one of my children is home, uh, not feeling well from school, but I think it's malaise. It's not, uh, she's saying she's got a sore throat, but everything else is fine. I think they just want breaks. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. I'm feeling uh, as also as we're speaking. It's only been a week since uh, we lost uh, Dallas Good of the Sadies. So I'm I am I'm in a fog every day. Uh, yeah. Because I knew him uh, and uh, I loved him. And as my friend Stephen Lamke and I were talking about the other day, Dallas has been making music as long as he and I, Steve and I, uh, younger than Dallas by only a few years. We we didn't re- you know when uh, someone's only a year or two older than you, but when you see them when you're 
like a teenager, you think they're like 15 years older than you. Did you ever have that? Yeah, I totally had that. Like the the members of Superconductor seemed way older than me. Yes. They were four or five years older. Yeah, I had it with uh, the one I always think of as Thrush Hermit. I would see the band Thrush Hermit, and then I overheard them one day talking about how old they were. And I'm like, wait a minute, they're only like a year older than me. They seem like they're... Those guys were young, though. They were yeah. They were babies. <laughs> they were babies when they were on the road. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so, um, so anyway, Steve and I were talking about how when we first started going to see live music regularly, Dallas was there in the St. Donatras and then eventually the Sadies. So to his point, Dallas has been a, a constant presence in my life as a music fan, basically. Yeah. And he's gone. So I don't know if you had any encounters with him or... I I didn't know him, but I knew so many people that that did, and for for so long, like yeah. for the last twenty five years, you know, and people from kind of far corners of the world as well. So yeah, I think people are really, really affected by that. It's yeah, it's brutal. It's a big one because you're right. It's a big he, one. It's a big one, and you're correct because I think just in his curiosity and his nature of connecting people he did know people from all around the world yeah it's brought, kind of really really far-reaching yeah so it's not simply never not it's never simply that an artist you love is gone it's always a human being but this one feels like someone who really connected all of certainly our your and my musical community yeah uh and then as i as we've been discussing like just around the world so Anyway, yeah, that's how I'm feeling. There's a lot of... Kind of just an incredibly uh, iconic dude, you know. Super, um, us, For those of us who didn't know him, he's kind of an amazing symbol of something. Yeah, he was super cool, but super fun. We had a really fun relationship, I think, in some ways. Did all the professional interviewing stuff, but then had sort of side conversations. And uh, one of the things I do these days, Dan, I don't know if you still follow uh, Exclaim magazine, but one of the things I do weekly is I... They've got me compiling the week's funny tweets. So I go through Twitter and I try to find things that are funny. This started when the old editor and I started the comedy section there, you know? Okay. So anyway, one of my jobs is every Thursday night, I go through uh, the week's worth of funny tweets and then I compile them all. Anyway, Dallas and and many other musicians, to be honest with you, said that was like their favorite thing about that magazine now, which is some sort of sad statement about it, I guess, on the one hand. But I was also like, I still write for them. I write music reviews. I just wrote a uh, review of the Super Chunk record, and I uh, I still do what I can there. But yeah, this it was fun. Dallas loved it. He would comment on the tweets he thought. He didn't know much about Twitter, didn't know much about yeah. what it was and how it worked, but he loved, he thought, and I feel the same, he thought it it taught him about the world, just seeing how people talked and what they talked about. It it, it made him go and look up stuff, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to check it out. Oh well, because I'm I'm kind of a uh, a little a little blind to Twitter myself. Yeah. So I you know I just need the I need the readers the hilarious readers digest version. <laughs> I can I'll text you a link to a, a most a recent one just so you can check it out and decide if it is for you. Yeah, it's just people being funny, I think, and dark, and it is dark, sardonic uh, social media on some level, uh, but funny, I hope. Anyway, speaking of dark and sardonic, in the new song, June, that you have on your new record, which is fantastic, at one point you sing something, and I want to ask you about it. A snow angel is a fucking idiot somebody made. A fucking idiot someone made 
in the snow. First of all, Dan, thank you, because I think that's any time I've encountered one of these things, I've left thinking, what a moron. So I feel like we're on the same page. What inspired that line for you? That line specifically, just the way you phrase it, remarkable stuff. Can you talk a little bit about that specific turn of phrase? I mean, I don't know what inspired me um, to write that line. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, uh, I can't. It's very fucking funny, and I can't stop laughing at it. Every time it comes yeah. on in the house, people turn their heads. My children, my wife, like, what is happening over there on that speaker? I've, yes, yeah. I've, I mean, I, I, think it, I think even though... I personally see labyrinthitis as kind of a mean-spirited, kind of dark, not in a kind of typical destroyer melancholic kind of way, but just a dark kind of brittle way. Hmm. But also I, I see it as kind of funny more than usual. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm at that place where I just start cracking wise, you know, when you're 50 in songs. But I also, I you know, I, a lot of the songs are sung from the standpoint of a, a villain, I think, which is kind of a destroyer voice yeah. that exists in songs. I would say on this album more than others, June is definitely an example. I mean, I, that I wanted to be really petty, and I wanted to be really mean, and I wanted it to be a line aimed at children, trying to make children <laughs> cry. <laughs> okay, mission so the accomplished. Worst, the worst, the worst custom, hold up something that is normally considered like... As a, a symbol, of, like, something magical and kind of innocent, hmm. and just call it a piece of shit, and call the person who does it and likes it a fucking idiot, and then say it twice just so in case they didn't get the picture. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting because it's the snow angel's the idiot in the scenario. It isn't mm-hmm. the creator. Yeah, it is yeah. The, it's the actual creation, and I found it's that true. I found that interesting because there are, I think, a few references. Uh, on this record to uh, the product of someone's mind as opposed to maybe the the person themselves, if that makes sense. And That's I'm, good. That's I think that's much better. I think it's, yeah, like a, it's supposed to deflate the scene, you know, like, oh, that's it's not, you know, there's nothing special about it. It's just an object. It's just a pile of snow. Yeah, um, but in that line, though, it's less personal of an insult to the creator. The, the the actual thing sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They made a they made a bad they made a bad thing. But it's supposed to be something that makes makes someone feel bad. But in a in a hilarious way. In, <laughs> yeah. In, in a way where you're supposed to hate hate me and not the person who made and not the person that made the snow angel. Right. Right. You're you're absorbing the hatred in this voice. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like a I'm just like a WWF villain. <laughs> So I just want to expand a little bit about upon what you're saying about your tone, because in pondering the album, I read recently something you said, and I found it fascinating. Here's the quote. Everything's manipulated, but the band is really present, and our plans wound up betrayed by, by what the tracks wanted. I've written 300 or 400 songs in my adult life. I don't know how to do anything else, but this album feels like a breakthrough into new territory. Can you expand upon this sentiment based on what you were even just saying about the the tone and and why you think did, it's an? Uh, did I? Did I, I don't remember saying that. Um, it's in the uh, it's in the bio. Uh, oh yeah, the biographical I, I, information I was sent. I have no idea what that is. I wash my hands of it. But <laughs> you, um, did you not conduct an interview for the uh, album bio that uh, I, accompanies I'm, this press cycle? 
I must have. I must have. Yes, but I don't. I don't know. I didn't read it. I never read the final thing. I see. Um, well, that is so. Maybe the, I yeah, maybe I said something like that, but I don't feel like. I mean, I feel like the record is feels in, incredibly alien to me, which is maybe a breakthrough. Hmm. And there's all sorts of things going on in it that I don't personally understand. But that's kind of more of a disorienting feeling. Really, it doesn't feel. It's not like a traditional sense of a breakthrough of like you know by George I think he's got it like it's not victorious feeling not that it ever is yeah no I appreciate that by the way a snowblower I'm in Alberta a snowblower has just sounded I thought they had taken care of this a couple hours ago but they're back it is snowing a lot so uh, wow. I'll, I'll I'll do my best to uh, uh, reduce the sound for the people listening but it's just a heads up in case you're wondering what I, I'm not building a deck all of a sudden <laughs> uh, like, why does Vish have the power tools up? Anyway, uh, no, I, I can I can appreciate that. Now, just so we're clear, the songs here written uh, in 2020 primarily, uh, pandemic time, is that correct? Let me see. Yeah, I think almost in their entirety, aside from the first song, the first song which was kind of from the Have We Met era, hmm. so a couple years earlier, and you can kind of tell because there's a sweetness to it. Um, and then the last song, which was probably in the spring of 2020, like right before I went to mix the record, uh, I wrote this song called The Last Song that also doesn't really fit in with the rest of the record. Everyone in my house uh, loves The Last Song. We were my, my son and I were singing it together on our walk to school today. Uh, and But as my wife pointed out, pretty dark song. Quite a dark song, it seems like. But that was at least the way it opens. It is a dark... Is that a dark song? That seems like a dark song. What do you think? You know, I'm of two minds about it. I find, like, the, a lot of the other songs are, are more feel-bad songs. And, my like, in for me, June is a feel-bad song, even though it's really jaunty. Mm. But the last song seems like a very personal song, which I was... It kind of surprised me. It kind of came out of nowhere. It's a bit of a reaction to what comes before it on the album, just the constant swirl and uh, denseness and the kind of relentless upbeat nature of the record. And there's, yeah, there's this, I think it's kind of dark, but it's also, it's kind of simple and it's kind of, it turns into a bit of a sing-along at the end. Yeah, I think it's the sing-songy, sing-alongy quality of it that uh, has charmed everyone in the house. Yeah. But so people have some clarity as to where the darkness may come from. Uh, the song's lyrics include, you get up, you stand up, you pull your head on out of nooses. You don't know what the news says on any given day. You fake say hello and you fake say goodbye. You point your head up at the sky and say, oh, wow, look at the sun. Now, that's the first verse. I, I should point out a slight Bob Marley reference, right? Uh, I hope so, but I don't know what it is because I don't know enough about Bob Marley. Well, Bob Marley has a very famous song called Get Up, Stand Up. Get up, stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the one. I know that one. It's a fairly popular song, and it's, yeah, that's one of the ones I know. It's one about standing up for your rights, uh, and and so Bob, this one <laughs> definitely then a Bob Marley reference. <laughs> well, I, 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 sorry, I don't mean to be facetious about it. When someone no. says you get up, you stand up. When I hear get up, stand up, I go to Bob. I think of Bob yes. Marley. So a hundred percent. Okay, and uh, I hadn't thought of that. Come but, on, uh, come, Dan, I, really, I, every time we talk, I say something. First of all, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. I feel like we talk early enough in your press cycles 
that maybe I bring up stuff and you say, oh, I hadn't thought of that. And I'm like, really? Come on. You get up, you stand up? That's that's like in our musical DNA, Bob Marley, isn't it? It's true. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, it's, I guess I hadn't thought of that song in a while and I keep forgetting that that's, that's the first line and it's repeated again in the second verse. Um, yeah. Well, no, the second verse is you wake up, you stand up. You wake up, you stand up. Yeah. yeah. Then later you come back to getting up and standing up. Anyway, there's a lot of like the the darkness is obviously the pulling your head out of nooses. Uh, it is a, you know, these days a kind of a concerning, well, these days, I like is a relatively new phenomenon for that to be a concerning uh, sentiment. It's not new at all. Like that's that's where the darkness sort of comes from. And then as the song proceeds, it's funny. I think you get into some very funny stuff again, but um, yeah, but yeah, it is an outlier. It's is it just you and a guitar on that song? I just recorded that one myself, yeah, yeah. and then John, I think, probably threw a bit of reverb on it because he was scared of how dry it was. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and that was it. Yeah. yeah, I called it the last song, and I figured we'd just stick it on the end as kind of like a palate cleanser. I mean, a lot of a, a lot of people think that song is. Um, you know, 20 or 25 years old just because of the nature of it. But it's not. It's like the last thing I've written. Oh, I see. I didn't know that. Okay. Why, sorry, who thinks it's old? Why do they think it's old? Oh, because of the the way you attack it on I the record. Just, this, yeah. just the sound of it and just, um, I don't know, I guess just the general lilt of it. It's kind of maybe a bit more lyrical than some of the other numbers on the album. You know, yeah. I'm not rapping or anything. Yeah, speaking of rapping, I do want to revisit June, and I do want to talk about the sonic quality of this record because uh, for those when they hear it, they're going to hear a little more of a synth. Uh, it's, it follows in line with your recent records, I would say. It's it's more synthesized. Uh, June in particular ends with almost old school rapping and distortion and sampling, almost sampling, distortion of someone's voice, uh, modification, manipulation. Um, and it sort of comes out of nowhere, the end of the song. Does that, do you know what I'm getting at there? Like the song seems to have a particular structure and then it just diverts on some level. Would you agree? I completely agree, yeah. 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 So are you just interested in sort of old school rap? Why did that, um, because it has that sort of, and I'm not. Uh, this is not meant to disparage you in any way, but it has almost that rudimentary, prototypical rap uh, sort of tone to your rapping. If, does that make sense? I think so. Yeah, it would. It would make total sense, also, because that's probably as far as me, John, um, messing around goes. That's what we know. Yeah, you know, that's the, that's the era we know. Yeah, uh, and I feel like probably were attached to those kind of beats and those kind of like super exposed samples. Yeah. You know, a lot of moves that are really in your face. They're not very slick, but to be honest, that whole second half of the song didn't exist. It's something that I didn't write. It's just like a kind of chunk, a giant chunk of music that John just came up with Hmm. based on like a short chord progression towards the end of the song. And he made this thing that was like really compelling. And he just grabbed like an acapella rap off of YouTube and stuck it on there and sped it up by 60 BPM. And I was like, man, that's really cool. I just knew it had to be part of the song, but I didn't know what was going to, what was it going to be? And then I was like, oh, I'm going to just try and um, 
I'm just going to try and lizard king this shit, you know, like, uh, my, cause of course, of course my frame of reference for rapping is an American prayer. So Jim Morrison. Yeah, sure. Uh, why not? That, yeah. That's yeah. kind of what I was trying to channel going in, but it actually became, um, probably cause of the nature of the music, like just more rhythmic and, you know, I was kind of scared shitless. I'm still like kind of freaked out about it. Cause, uh, you know, I don't know, really know what it is. It doesn't totally, doesn't totally sound like rapping uh and you know is like slam poetry or it's not it's not in my comfort zone right no absolutely i can i can hear that and as such your voice is often modified to sound demonic or i don't know how else to describe it really but and yeah it has this i think it starts pitching down at some point in a kind of in kind of like the way how 3000 starts dying you know at the end of um 2001 uh, right when you're pull, when you're slowly pulling the plug on the computer, that's kind of that effect. So you say you uh, that John Collins grabbed an acapella rap off of the internet, and but but then did you take that as a as an initializing force for you to write your own raps? Or are you saying these are those raps that John found? No, no, no. It was just like a placeholder. It's like some right. it's like some kind okay. of some kind of vocal could happen over this music that I did. And I was like, well, I don't think we have the money to just sample a two and a half minute acapella rap off the internet. Right. Um, so maybe I'll try and come up with something. And I did. But it, what I what I came up with is qu- quite, quite different than what he had going. You know uh, what I just watched a few months ago, and I talked about it at length with a guest already, but uh, I'll, I'll bring it up to you, too, because I think you and I have had a conversation about this uh, individual uh, but you and I once had a long talk about the Doors Got and it, really? Jim Morrison. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it makes sense. I mean, I bring it up. You do bring it up. You brought it up just now. Uh, yeah. You brought up you brought up James Douglas Morrison a few moments ago. You alluded to him. Guilty. And I, I watched, rewatched for the first time in a long time because it showed up on one of our Canadian streaming services. I watched Oliver Stone's film, The Doors. The Doors. Yeah. Have you have you have you delved deep into The Doors in recent times? Have you seen that film? Uh, I'm trying to think of my last screening. I think I started it, kind of started it once on family movie night. <laughs> the fa- family movie night. The family's gathered around. You fire up The Doors uh, by Oliver Stone. Oh, That's fascinating. We didn't get too far into it. Yeah. I I mean, I really, I have a real soft spot for that movie, but it's not something that I would I, yeah. recommend to anyone or, you know, I need to know I'm in my safe place before I can really talk about it. <laughs> Okay, no, and I don't mean to press you. I'm the same. I have a soft spot for it because I watched it when it came out. Or I mean, I was probably too young to go see it when it actually came out. You know, yeah. to go to the theater. I think I. W- I remember uh, arranging at a party in grade seven or eight that we watched it at the party, and people were like, "What are you doing?" And but it was it's pretty wild and experimental in its own way. But it's also very Oliver Stoney and yeah. On the on the one hand, Val Kilmer is brilliant. On the other, it's a pretty corny performance. It's but I, I guess I I'm, a, I'm a big yeah. Val Kilmer fan, and I find Oliver Stone at his most excessive pretty hilarious. Uh, oh, oh yeah, I, I also re, re, relatively recently rewatched Natural Born Killers, and that is a cartoon. But everything he talks about in that film still happening now, uh, right. you know. So I think he uh, and I also watched JFK a couple times recently. So I'm on an Oliver Stone kick, and I kind of like the fairy tale revisionist history cartoony aspect 
of what he does and maybe what what Tarantino picks has picked up on and all of his you know Tarantino have you do you watch every uh, Tarantino movies cuz he's all he does now is he does like revisionist his, history histori- things revisionist history right yeah. yeah 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 and i feel like stone was kind of already sort of doing that like if you watch JFK i don't know if you have any affinity for JFK but i used to my god i watched JFK with my lady friend on 911 the night of 911 like the day of uh, we were watching the footage on the news of what was happening and even by then you know people didn't really like or trust the bush cheney white house and and america was not uh, held in sort of uh, high favor around the world i would say even so, some of which came as a bit of a shock to my lady friend at the time as we were watching the 911 news footage and she's like i don't understand why would anyone do this i thought like why would anyone do this to america i thought you know she was just naive I right. said, you know, you know what we should rent tonight? JFK. <laughs> she she hadn't seen it, so we watched it, and she was very... She seemed to th- think she got it and was very emotional at the end of that, you know? Because yeah. there's, what I'm getting at is there's some truth to the Oliver Stone stuff, but it's, it's also so distorted and weird that what are you supposed to do with it, you know? I mean, I'm kind of late. I'm kind of late to it. Just like I'm late to the doors, I didn't get into them really into my early or mid thirties and then really in my forties it hit home. Hmm. Um, and I like, so when I saw the doors in the movie theater, when it came out, I, I wasn't really going as a massive doors fan. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with Oliver Stone. I think I got really into him, um, with like any given Sunday and Alexander, his, um, Greek epic. Right, right. And those those I don't really know very well. I think I've seen... Yeah, I've seen Any Given Sunday, but I don't know it the way I know Platoon and Born on the mm-hmm. Fourth of July. Like, he was just on yeah. a run of making these historical epic things. And uh, and I... Uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. It's very fascinating. Listen, I, I want to get back to the record and the production because you, we established that it was 2020. Um, so some of this... What I want to get at is the emotional tenor. Like you're saying, it's a, it's a somewhat uh, angry or evil record. Do you think it's a reflection of being locked down, uh, or any of what was going on in the world uh, at the time? Or because I can't quite see the clear threads there, but I also know that that's not how art always works. Like the right. the, the the atmosphere, the environment can infiltrate, but it doesn't have to be you know direct. But do you feel that? Do you see it? Do you see it of these songs uh, of be, uh, being of this time, if you will? I, I can't really tell. I don't know, you know? Hmm. Um, in a lot of ways, I feel like were you forced to draw lines that have we met seems to talk about what 2020 and 2021 was all about. Yeah. More, more, than, more than labyrinthitis. Yeah. Though looking back on Have We Met Now, what seemed to me at the time like a dark record actually feels like very kind of kind of comfortable and personal mm-hmm. uh, in in comparison, you know, and melancholic as opposed to depressive. I I, um, I have a you know. an interesting relationship with that record because uh, I got it early enough that I got it when I moved to Alberta. And I had it playing. Uh, we we spoke right around that time, probably right January, February. Yeah, yeah. You you just moved. Yeah, I just moved. So I, but I would spend. Uh, I was mostly, if not taking public transit, I would try to walk to work, which is about an hour. And I would listen to it on my headphones. And so I just associated with the cold, 
and the winter in a new place. So I, it's just it's a I have a sense memory of listening to it over and over and over again before and before and after we spoke. So anyway, I'm not sure why I'm sharing that with you, but it is a time and place record for me. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, one of the reasons I ask about it uh, in terms of this record, just the time and place, the temporality is. Because we were all locked down, I wondered if you were of a mind, uh, a, a traveling mind, because I've noticed a number of references in particular to Italy on your new album. There are references to traveling in Montreal and Spain and things like that, but Italy comes up a fair amount. Do you want me to itemize some some examples of what I mean, or do you know what I mean? Uh, the only thing that comes to mind right now is uh, the Trevi Fountain reference in in the song Suffer. Yes, for those who don't know, the Trevi Fountain, and where is the Trevi Fountain actually, Dan? It's in, is it in Rome? Is it the fountain that Anita Ekberg walks into in La Dolce Vita? Yeah, so the Trevi, this is a fascinating fact about the Trevi Fountain. Not only does it appear in the song Suffer by Destroyer, it is prominently featured in uh, Fellini's, yeah, 1960 film La Dolce Vita. It's also featured in Jim Falls' 2003 film, The Lizzie McGuire Movie. Did you know that? I don't. I don't know that. I don't know that movie. Well, it's just fascinating to me that this has come up in at least two cinematic ways, and I wonder. It's, def- it's definitely a. It's definitely a really famous fountain. Yeah, and then in June you reference Fortune's Wheel, which uh, uh, I, I read up on this, and I don't know if you were thinking about this, but uh, Dante employed the wheel in the Inferno, and a Wheel of Fortune trump card appears in a tarot deck. Uh, that was circulated in around the uh, 15th century in Italy. Uh, so I thought of that. And then uh, also in Tintoretto, it's for you, Tintoretto. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, a, a, that's true. Italian painter uh, yeah. uh, 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 in the 16th century. And then in Takes a Thief, you actually say, on its way to nowhere, I survey Rome in a day. Oh, well. And I don't know if you know, do you, are you familiar with the 1968 TV series uh, that uh, it aired on NBC in America? It was called It Takes a Thief. Did you, do you know that? I, I, I do have a vague re- recollection of a TV show called that, yeah. But I definitely have never seen it, and I can't remember anything about it. Well, so here, let me just enlighten you just a little bit. This may not be fascinating, but this was a TV series, and they had planned, I don't think they did it, but they had planned to shoot its third season in Italy. So now, I'm, and then also in that song, you quote, uh, it takes a thief to catch a thief, which I associate with Bob Dylan's song, uh, I believe it's Moonlight. I forgot to double check that, but I think it's from Moonlight. Do you know that song from uh, Love and Theft? Is it Moonlight? Ta- I definitely know it's off Love and Theft. It's either Moonlight or Po' Boy, I think. I think it's Moonlight, just, yeah. Uh, it takes a thief to catch a thief for whom the, the, yeah, I think it's for the whom the, does the bell toll love, it tolls for you and me. I think I might be conflating two different parts of that song, but... If I think about where that that all that run on stuff goes, it it goes to won't you meet me in the moonlight? Uh, I think that's, that's do you, does this resonate with you? I think you might be right. Yeah, I'm usually right. That's all I'm saying. I'm gonna trust my you point. On this one. Yeah. So all I'm saying is, oh, and then also that phrase, "It takes a thief," I believe comes from Don Quixote, uh, which is not there's not really an Italian connection there necessarily, but I think uh, the I think there's some Italian connection there. Anyway, all I'm saying is. It seems to me I'm blathering on about Italy, and you're like, news to me. Is that what you're saying? Like you weren't really fixated on Italy. I don't. Th- I don't think so. I mean, I'm always. <laughs> I always want to go there. I've spent such little time there. 
Um, that's what that's what I was wondering. Like I yeah. thought, were you living in Italy when you thought of all this? No. I, I feel like counselor. I've made my case. There's a number of references yeah. to Italy, right? So that's why I wondered. It's just it was on your mind, either subconscious. It sounds subconsciously. Is that what you're saying? I think I was thinking about Europe a lot. Maybe I mean, and a lot of people wanted to go into nature to escape in 2020 and 2021 mm-hmm. and all and I was getting increasing like I was just picturing like things that couldn't be farther from a possible reality like going into a, like a really small crowded bar in Madrid or something like that yeah so think, isolation the isolation you know, it, I think ex- was pervading you you know like experiences that I really value like that I treasure and they just seemed impossible and like will I ever be able to do that again that thing that used to feel like the most normal thing in the world so maybe I was really thinking about stuff like that. I think I think it is born of that sense of not only isolation but but sort of yeah, longing. I don't want to say panic, but sometimes say, I would say panic. Yeah, cuz when you're when you get evil, when you get that lizard brain, you're in fight or flight mode. Yeah. So I'm yeah. wondering if you if it really is of a time in a in a very subtle and artful way if this is all a reflection of someone who feels trapped and is lashing out. That's, that's a good. That's a good interpretation. I I don't really know. I feel like I feel like I probably was processing all sorts of things that we were all processing that don't, and maybe some of them that, that don't usually come out in yeah, yeah. destroyer songs like Panic or um, just like actual physical dread. Um, and, you know, thinking about disease and death way, way more than I ever have. Stuff like that. Yeah, and it's totally fair to be pondering such things. You named the record Labyrinthitis, which initially I was like, is that a reference to the David Bowie, Jennifer Connelly film Labyrinth and uh, the condition of being addicted to it or something? I didn't know what that yeah. was. Um, are you familiar with that film, by the way? I totally know that film, yeah. yes. But but then I, I, I used the internet to look up the word and it's a, it's a medical condition is that correct something to do with your uh vertigo or rather your uh your your sense of balance or something so it's, it's like an inner ear canal thing is that right yes yeah, yeah yeah so why 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 uh you know uh why this umbrella term for this batch of songs does it follow what we were just talking about just this obsession with health and wellness mm, i like the. i mean i always just like the looks of words to start with and this one seemed really strained it seemed definitely like it definitely seemed kind of literary and invented it didn't seem like a real a real thing hmm. like 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 you said is like my first my first thought was like is this someone who's ad- addicted to mazes yeah or is this someone who just chronically turns um right when they should be turning left oh interesting um huh. but generally it just seems to be like it just you know capture it has like kind of a a kind of magical sense of disorientation. I like the sound of it. It also sounded kind of like prog metal or just like jazz fusiony, which I liked. Yeah, or or even like kind of a kind of nineties electronica. It it kind of bridged a lot of danger zones that I thought were, you know, cool cool to step in. You know, and also yeah, uh, and, and and the least interesting thing is that I also thought I had labyrinthitis. Oh, oh, you did. So you, that's, is that how you encountered the term? You were on WebMD trying to figure out what was wrong with you and that came up? Pretty much trying to figure out why my ears were constantly ringing and why I always wanted to fall down when I stood up. Oh no. When was this? Uh, 
I think it, I first had my real. F- <laughs> I don't. I don't want to spend. I don't want to spend too much time on the condition labyrinthitis because I. Ate, oh no I no! I ha- uh, sorry, I don't. I, I was. I don't a, have it. No no. But yeah, yeah, I feel. I first felt it like last last year. I thought, uh, just like finally that my ears were so blasted huh. after twenty five years of doing this that you know there was just some kind of rupture in my inner ear that was just really messing with me. It's a real panic. First of all, I did not mean to pry or dwell on it. I just was uh, I was asking out of concern, uh, and I hope you appreciate that. I, I, no, 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 it's yeah, fine. Yeah, I, uh, I am... Uh, nothing will make me panic more than thinking I can't hear. Uh, it is... It, if I can't... If I, I had a situation a couple months ago where my ear got clogged, and I think it's because I put on a Sonic Youth record and my head was by the speaker as it started and it blasted my left ear but it was it felt like um like you know when you're on the airplane it just felt like a pressure drop or a pressure situation but I couldn't get rid of it and I could not sleep I thought I had damaged my hearing and that nothing almost nothing beyond suffocation makes me panic more than thinking actually I have the same thing with my nose if my nose is stuffed and I can't clear it at night I'm a wreck. Do you have any of these things? I can't handle losing my functions for even a moment. It it makes me think I'm I'm dying or I'm never going to get them back. The ear one is the only one I know about, but Mm. I feel for myself, I mean, at the same time, I think I might have whined about it to some band members and it's like, and they were just like, wow, what took you so long? You know, just like, welcome to the club. Oh, but, uh, right. Anyway, I'm doing fine. Okay. So def- definitely like um, spring of 2021, 20, you would not have found me, you know, with like headphones on or anything like that. That would have been impossible. It's it's interesting you say this because I haven't, I was going to text him about it because I, I, I've noticed and I, I it bypassed me before. Um, Steve Albini refuses to wear earbuds. Whenever we set up a conversation and I say, you know how you and I are wearing headphones right now? I'd, I'd ask Steve about the same thing, and he'd say, "No, I never wear them." And I figured out why because I was reading. He he. Uh, the last time he was on the show in December, we ended up talking about that uh, Get Back movie. Do you know that movie, The Beatles? Oh, I totally know it. Yeah. Did Did you enjoy it? Did you watch it? Yes, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm. I'm still. I, I got to start it for the third time now. That's how much <laughs> I. I really enjoyed That's- it. That's how, how riveted you are. <laughs> well, I also miss band practice. Like I just miss, I haven't been in a proper band in so many years. And I like, I, there are parts of band practice I hated, but I, this, just hanging out with the Beatles as, as they're at basically a band practice, I found, I don't know, it felt very visceral. Like I'm like, yeah, oh, I'm hanging no, out. I, I'm hanging out with the, my guys. I'm just hanging out. I, I loved it. Yeah. I'll just be uh, unequivocal about it. Yeah, I loved it too. Anyway, we were talking about it a little bit. He hadn't seen it yet, but he was raving about the engineer, Jeff Emmerich, who he uh, told me had um, remarkable hearing, like could pick out frequencies that no one else could. Uh, And he got to meet him and he got to meet, he told me he got to meet George Martin and got to meet George Harrison and he got to meet Paul McCartney through his travels. Like Steve's fascinating guy. And I'd never heard those stories before, but anyway, he never wears headphones, and I think it's because he's an audio engineer, and he realizes, and he plays in a very, very loud rock band. Yes, yeah, I was going to say. Shellac. So I think, uh, but I think the headphones thing is, maybe stems from that old school way of thinking of like, I don't want this sound right in my cranium. I uh, I need some space. Uh, so anyway, yeah, it's making me rethink. I, was, I went to walk my kid to school today, and I knew I was going to be walking back alone, and I almost grabbed my uh, headphones to listen to something on the way back. And uh, that thought occurred to me. No, 
I'm not going to do it. I'm going to give my ears a break. So all I'm saying is in the musical community, I'm, I'm sure you and I are not alone in having real uh, anxiety about our hearing. So, yeah. Definitely not. Yeah, yeah. no, it's something I've, it's like uh, war stories that I've totally traded. Yeah, exactly. Remember, did you ever read like Pete Townsend like lost his hearing in like the 80s? And uh, Yeah, badly. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's still, like he can still do stuff. Anyway, anyway, I'm, I'm, I get a little obsessed with this stuff and I don't want to dwell on that. But since you brought up the labyrinthitis, this, we were talking about musical outliers on this record. And this title track, I think, fits that bill. It's almost like a sonic collage. I hear children, maybe. Can you talk about what's happening on that piece? I can't really, because that's like a piece of music that John Collins single-handedly came up with, like, probably about in the middle of the night, like maybe six hours before the record got mastered. Oh, wow. (laughs) Like he, the plan was that he was always going to come up with a short, like a short instrumental piece, but the kind of manic way that we ended up mixing the record just because deadlines got really strange for this one. Oh, I see. He kind of just left it to the very, very, very last minute, like he does with all things. And so he just like presented that, you know, you know like right before the record was a hundred percent entirely done. So, so from your, and I was, I was totally into it. I was, I was like, this is perfect. You know? So for those who haven't heard it yet, and if you can expand upon that, what was it? What do you, what do you make of it? What do you think is going on on it? Cause as I say, I hear human voices, but they're not articulated. I hear sounds, mm. but what, what do you make of it and, and why it fits the record? I'm pretty sure that's his daughter. Yeah. And, I feel like it's it's kind of like an I I also feel like it's a kind of um it's a nice little respite yeah. from what's around it, you know. Yeah. It's like he mentioned he doesn't really talk about this stuff very much, but he mentioned how how he loved working on something that slow compared to the rest of the record. Yeah. But in a lot of ways it's very much a it's very much a piece of just what I associate with John fucking around. Right. And coming up with just cool cool soundscapes. Yeah, it's definitely a cool soundscape. I enjoy it, but it and it does offer. It feels interstitial, as you say. Like it feels like just something in the middle of of this otherwise, you know, quite coherent record. Um, we've referenced him a few times. We've alluded to John a few times. Uh, Dan, can you tell the people listening at home who John Collins is? Uh, he's produced this record. I know that, but who is John Collins to you? Well, I first met him. In 1996, when I went into a basement studio to make what ended up being the second Destroyer album, it's called City of Daughters. Mm-hmm. And he, he produced that and played bass on some of the songs and then was kind of a, a producer slash bass player in the band for the next few years on a record called Thief, on a record called Street Hawk. Mm-hmm. We also were in a band called The New Pornographers, together at that time in the late 90s Mm -hmm. um, where he had a similar role of um, bass player but also engineer and producer and you've continued to to collaborate yeah kind of continued this off and on collaboration um you know 25 25 years later yeah he has toured sometimes with destroyer not in the last few years sometimes he's just played bass on the record and had nothing else to do with the album yeah, um, I was. I, I haven't the, la- the last the last two records have been extreme representations of what he does. Right, 
uh, sonically and and you work together on it's safe to say you work together on the music though it's not simply john is that right i mean i'll demo stuff so like i'll write the songs demo them send them to him and he'll kind of build templates from there you know and like ah. say on have on have we met there's probably more songs that just sound like really really kind of a fleshed out hi-fi just kind of widescreen versions of uh, of the demos right and then i would say on this one there's just there's more like radical transformations tintoretto it's for you and and june the second half of june would be um good examples of that yeah no absolutely yeah that being said i mean the band is probably way more present uh, you know, on a whole, way more present on this album than they have been in the last six or seven years, probably since Poison Season. So, you know, a lot of people played um, a lot of cool stuff. Um, like, the drums are real. Like, Josh played a lot of really cool drums. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of cool Dave Carswell guitar and, you know, other stuff. Yeah, it's a full band record. Like, not, so just so people don't get it twisted, it's not just mm-hmm. you and and John. Uh, everyone's throwing their, you know, everyone's throwing their stuff at John from thousands of miles away, pretty much. Yeah, was it all done remotely? Basically, you weren't all in the same. Yes. Yeah. 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 Josh lives in Chicago now, and Ted lives in Los Angeles. They pretty much moved there directly from our very last um, 2020 show before COVID hit. Are you amazed that this is working out for you? This remote. Recording. I remember the last time we talked about uh, a record, uh, the last time you were on the show, I should say. I feel like you told me you recorded all your vocals like at night at your kitchen table. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Is that the case here? It is. Yeah. But I think I think I'm done with it. Hmm. I, I maybe maybe it, what felt really liberating during the making of Have We Met because there was no choice whatsoever and because there was a travel ban and I couldn't actually go hmm. to to the island to John's to work on stuff until the very last couple of weeks where I just went, I could finally go and we just mixed the album. Yeah, But I find like when the world dictates the circumstances, it spoils things. Yeah, fair enough. You Sorry, but for Have We Met, there was no lockdown yet. That you no, made... that's what I mean. That oh, was just oh, like, it was kind of this new this new way of you know like me just coming up with a song singing it that being the song sending things back and forth with john who lived in seattle at the time once in a while i'd hop on a bus but this one was like very much just it wasn't going to happen unless it was going to happen and with everyone with everyone isolated and locked down in their various homes yeah you know, you you uh, mentioned John's bass playing, and I noticed John's bass playing uh, quite a bit. It's a it's a pretty prominent instrument on this record. Uh, I find his bass playing on this record insane, actually. <laughs> yeah, there's that the tone is what, the tone the, the the sort of like it's like a post punk bass tone, like almost gang of four or something, but it's different. I don't know how to describe it other than that. But yeah, it go. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You find it particularly striking. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious. I'm always curious to see what people, what people notice, what catches some, someone's ear. But for this album in particular, I feel like there's a few songs where the bass is just really either a really crazy performance, yeah, um, or the illusion of a performance, like on June, that has so many different bass tones and so many just like yeah 
a wonky but somehow sewn together and momentum building bass parts and other ones where he just comes up with like um, just really classic lines. Well, it's definitely like a yeah. it's definitely like a bass bass forward record. Uh, I think the, the last <laughs> the last the last couple of ones the last couple of albums I was really into the idea of like the bass being the 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 kind of um, spine of the album. Well, I mean, when uh, I believe it's uh, it's in your heart now. When this song begins, that kicks off the record. Uh, it begins sort of ambiently, and then John's, I, I presume it's John, John's bass cuts through almost like an intruder. Like, it's its just, I'm like, whoa, and it's great. Like, I love it, but it, it, and it seems like to be, like, budding in to the sound, like finding its uh, footing, if you know. I don't know where I'm right. Re- yeah. It's really interesting, and I find that I hear it a lot. On, like you say, it's a bass forward record. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I don't have any grand commentary there, but other than to say, like it, I think you've uh, in the same biographical information uh, that I was sent, which you are uh, borderline refuting um, by saying <laughs> you disown it. You you have no engagement with what, what was said. But there was, I just don't know. I just don't know what it says. That's all. And if it's, it's probably based on a conversation that I don't really remember. Fair enough. There is a club culture disco uh, feeling to some of the songs. Uh, does that resonate with you? Do, do you relate to what I'm saying? No, it doesn't resonate. It, 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 like I, I would say that's what brought us together. I didn't think I was ever going to work with John again because yeah. I thought he would just—he seemed pretty at peace, you know, living in a cabin in the woods on an island, looking out on the Pacific Ocean with his family. And he started bugging me, and our our initial conversations were definitely about doing sidelong, just like four on the floor. Yes, uh, ha- yeah. like ha- house house music, basically. Yeah. just have like just basically a beat and just little little sounds, and me s- singing things, which could maybe be seen as variations, but also just one long song. Hmm. And it was supposed to be total club music. And it completely is not. Oh, you you don't think it is? Okay, that's interesting. I mean, I don't I don't know. I've kind of wanted it to be like a real kind of disco techno. I mean, not not that I wanted that, but that's how I pictured it going down. And in the end, um, that's completely not what it sounds like. Yeah. Well, there are times where I'm listening to like all my pretty dresses, for example, and right, I can't. it, It has that sort of feeling of like if this were to come on. People would hit the dance floor, but it also reminded me of like this might seem weird, uh, Dan, but it reminded me of of everything from "So Long Farewell," that song from The Sound of Music. It reminded me there's like a horn that comes in that reminds me of a scene from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You know when they're in the museum and they're looking at the yes. art and the that yes. sort of ethereal horn. And Cameron's looking at the thing. Do you, oh, you said yes right away. Does that, does that resonate with you? Do you feel, do you see where I'm coming from? Uh, I know that, I know that scene you're talking about. I don't think we were thinking about that in that song. Oh, of course but, not. But I'm, I, it's, um, it's con- but yeah, I know exactly. I know exactly what you're, which, what you're talking about. Yeah. And that, that to me, I mean, that movie came out in what, 1986, I want to say or something. So it just brought me back. And I don't even know if that song is of that era, like the thing in the movie, but like, this is where like, it just, all I'm saying is, and this is a credit to you and John, it trans the the sound of the record transports me to a different time, but not a fixed time, and it, right. and, it and, and it feels inclusive, and it feels like you want to get people dancing. Like again, with the second half of June, you're like, what the hell's going on? Are we in hell? 
what happened? <laughs> what inferno is this? Like, I thought everything was fine, and now it's taken a turn. Uh, right. But but there are these sort of feel this sense like you would any of these songs almost except for perhaps the last song uh, definitely not the last song uh, would would get people on some sort of you know get get them moving a little bit get them in, yeah. interacting with each other so I think that in my reading it, it seems born of man can can I you mean, imagine when we're all together again like it, it has that feeling to me right yeah, yeah. I mean I. I will say, in on the most basic level, the songs are all really fast compared to Destroyer songs usually, and mm-hmm. there's kind of a, a compared to the last album or even the album before that, there's not a lot of downtime. Yeah, and so that's kind of creates the illusion of something, uh, something dancey, and you know, it's all very locked in on the grid. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of like there's still a lot of like stuttering synth action, and you know, we always tend to go back. To, whether you, at least we always seem to go back to what we know, even though yeah. the conversation starts with something that we actually really completely don't know. I mean, I think having it was the same thing where I was really spouting off about making a trip hop album. And in the end, I don't know if, I don't think that <laughs> that, <got> a, <laughs> that, seemed, that seemed to get abandoned really fast um, when we actually started working on the music itself. And this record was no different, you know? Sorry, so did you... Oh, so you're saying John spouted off, so to speak, about wanting this to be a four on the floor. Mm, it was kind of both of us. Right. It was kind of like, that's what got us going, our initial conversations. Uh, and in the end, you know, if you're not steeped in a certain kind of music, it's actually really hard to do. It's hard to make a techno record if you're not if you're not a techno musician. You know, so we always end up going back to, like, a- end up in worlds that are just kind of more foundational for us. Like in the last couple albums, you'd say yeah. something like the art of noise or new order or, um, you know, these kind of like things that you just unconsciously fall back on. There's something uh, about bands and artists that get drawn into this world, uh, and try to experiment with it where it's, you know what? I, I don't take this the wrong way. One of the things I thought of every once in a while is like that U2 album Pop. Remember when they made that album Pop and everyone was yeah. like, well, what are you guys doing, hey? Because uh, <laughs> they they expanded upon all the stuff they'd been doing with like the previous two records, Zeropa and Actung Baby, if memory serves. And they made Pop, which was like a full force club record for them anyway. Right, yeah. And it, it, but there was a lot of backlash. And I don't feel like you get that. I think we're at a different time. People are more open-eared and mo- more open-minded about things. But is there any part of you that, you know, like, does it give you pause to think, like, am I really way outside of my core here by exploring these sounds? This isn't where I came from. I'm sure you don't have those thoughts, but you know what I'm kind of getting no, at there? No, I, I, I have those thoughts all the time. Yeah. Um, like, Tintoretto, It's For You is a good example of, like, a song that I think is really cool and a vibe that's really dialed in, but... I am just will always be kind of naturally alien to that chord progression in the verse and the general mm. lurching feel of it seems really far outside of destroyer world. And, and sometimes I really like that and sometimes it freaks me out. Yeah. But I feel like I was really <laughs> into, I was really into John's vision or I was really into like how precise and how, like how honed in his vision was on that one. Yeah. Even if it, like create a lot of dissonance in my brain well i'm sure john is aware of your interest in some measure of theatricality and that song 
when I think about it, it may it sort of feels like the most theatrical song. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In some in some ways, it plays it plays into the lyric yeah. of the song way more than what I initially envisioned, um, which was really more of like um, like a, I pictured more of like a really uh, more of a Tom Waits like a kind of industrial Tom Waits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sound, you know? Bone machine, uh, bone machine style, maybe? Maybe. I mean, I wanted it to be like, I pictured it heavy and it's like kind of wordy and beatnik-y in a way. Hmm. I think when I when I initially presented it to John, I was like, this kind of got like a Warren, Warren Zevon meets... Um, system of the down or something like that <laughs> and he really he really or he really went with that vibe that it's kind of got more of a ramstein vibe now yeah ramstein sure yeah there you go that's mm-hmm. uh, that's an interesting allusion i i alluded mm-hmm. to the fact that um there's some italy here but i didn't really home in on any one particular thing why did uh this figure come to you as you know a, a titular character in the song and a name you could sort of spout at spout out spout at you know like it's for you like yeah. this threatening why did that name even come to mind it's kind of i don't know it just came it just kind of came to me it's kind of like one of the few examples of me writing a song like t- down from the title you know yeah like you'd always hear how pollard would come up with a title and then he'd write the song i've never really done that the titles for everything are kind of are pretty haphazard for me, but this is one where I had like Tintoretto, it's for you, and I literally just kind of wrote the song from there. And it, I mean, it it's supposed to be like the it's your time, like it's supposed to be the Grim Reaper knocking at your door kind of song. And there's a lot of allusions of like you know, there's the knockout bell, and and also all of your grand works um, add up to add up to zero in the end because um, because you know now it's your time to die. So are you are you generally a, a fan or a student of Tintoretto or is it just I don't know anything about art at all. I I <laughs> I do I do know that Tintoretto I do know there's like a younger I'd like to think a younger version of myself who was really pretentious and who would fake his way through an art conversation and saying that you like kind of a more obscure Venetian painter like Tintoretto, you know, I'm into Tintoretto that seems like that seems like a move I might have made in the 90s. And I I don't know if I was thinking about that, but that's that's kind of my relationship to to the word, you know. It's only late. It's actually yeah. just only later that I found out that in fact Tintoretto is the name of David Bowie's publishing company. Oh wow! Apparently, he's obsessed with a guy. I found that kind of strange coincidence. Oh, and you didn't know that? No, Interesting. No. May I, may I read you something and let me know if you can relate to it from your own trajectory or vantage point. Uh, this is the Tintoretto. This is just literally from the Wikipedia, okay? And okay. I, I acknowledge that this could be all fake news. His contemporaries both admired and criticized the speed with which he painted and the unprecedented boldness of his brushwork. For his phenomenal energy in painting, he was termed Il Furioso, the Furious. His work is characterized by his muscular figures, dramatic gestures, and bold use of perspective in the mannerist style. Eh, there's some Destroyer stuff in there, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I, I feel like on... On my bad days, or maybe back in like the year blue, this night year blues era, I think at some point I tried to 
I tried to say that my my writing style, my songwriting style was mannerist. Yeah. Okay. So this 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 is just subconscious. Like it's not something you're engaged with on the regular. No. But no. it's in there. It's this is all. So when I was asking about your core earlier, and you know what what all of these sounds and approaches might say about how your core is shifting, like I think everything we're hearing on this record, uh, it's still this is from your core. This is from your subconscious and conscious brain mind. I think. I think you're right. Yeah. All right. Well, I solved another Destroyer album. I feel pretty good about myself. I uh, columboed the hell out of this one. Uh, is there anything uh, that you're surprised I didn't touch upon? I know I, I hope this wasn't overwhelming. I, I went after a lot of different things that I was picking up on, but I'm sure you're having some very insightful conversations these days. Did I miss something obvious that you want to share? No, you, you caught all sorts of things I hadn't thought about that I'm going to start thinking about should uh, check out this Bob Marley character. He's interesting. He has some hits. His songs are good. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's definitely, I know the hits and they're all really good. I have a real preference for early whalers. Like the yeah. er, early ska is my favorite part of Bob Marley. Like, like the judge not and one more, or uh, one cup of coffee. Like I love right. those songs more than the stuff that I think everyone, if I had to and, choose between get up, stand up and like, you know, whatever one of those ska songs i pick the ska songs that's what i'm yeah. saying i just yeah. love the sound of the recordings and the sounds amazing yeah it is it is absolutely now we as we're speaking uh things are opening up uh what are your plans at the moment dan i assume you have some touring and whatnot is that the deal the plan is yeah that we're gonna convene in my jam space the band who we haven't been together since we all got off the bus on March 18th, 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to try um, playing music for 10 or 12 days, uh, if we're lucky. And then we're going to go live on a bus and play music mostly in the States for months. And then we're going to go to Europe for a couple weeks in the early summer. And then we're going to go back there um, for a few weeks in the early fall. All stuff that sounds completely insane when I sound when I say it out loud. Like I haven't I hadn't actually, I hadn't actually outlined my year before actually saying the words, but it's yeah, it's madness that this could happen. Uh, who who knows? It's surreal, but I think it might actually happen this time. That's my feeling at the moment. But, but yeah. then again, I may have just jinxed us, and we'll see what happens by the time people hear this, and also, uh, you know, whenever all those times. Yeah, I don't know. It's bizarre to even plan for anything these days, isn't it? It feels it feels strange to make any any plans at all, but um, yeah, I think at least at this point, some of that will happen. Who knows if all of that will happen? You know what happened to me is I was just invited, and I'm not bragging here. This just so I preface this is not a brag. I'm just telling you a fact. But I was invited to attend uh, some sort of opening of the Bob Dylan Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in May. I want to say, and right. I wa- I want to go. And uh, I don't go anywhere. I don't really leave the house that much except for food and uh, mailing people records or, or receiving their records from the postal outlet. Yeah. That's pretty much it. But I actually think I might go to, of all places, Tulsa, Oklahoma, because I like Bob Dylan and I appreciated the invite. You know what I'm saying? So I might do it. I think you should maybe do it. I, I've only been to Tulsa once also, and I think I might kind of like Tulsa. I mean, I, you know, mm-hmm. all these places I have mixed feelings about these days, but, yeah, you know, we're playing a show in Oklahoma City for the first time ever 
um, I think in May. Maybe you should just come. Um, oh, yeah, sure. It's like early May is when my the the event is like I feel like it's the May fourth weekend or something like that. But I can look I up don't, look up your I dates. Don't know, yeah. I don't know when the show is, but it's around then. Oh, cool! That would be fun. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we need we need, we need at least one person in the audience. I might have a I might have a plus one. So if you want, we can check out the center together and see all the. People. I don't I don't think I have a day off or anything, oh, but okay. I can I can give you probably like a plus a plus two hundred to our show. <laughs> no, I'm sure it'll be fine and well attended. People are going to be <laughs> yeah. so excited that anyone's coming through that you could be anyone and you're going to sell out the joint. I think, uh, but no, they, right. people love That's you. Possible. I'm sure they'll come. No, no, yeah, I, I hope it all works out. Um, I I must ask: Have you started pondering uh, new material? Or are you still processing what you've done here with this record? I mean, I wanted I want to change things uh, as far as me just writing stuff and then recording it and then waiting around for it to come out and then touring it for a long time mm. and not doing anything during that whole expanse. I feel like my my fifties could get ugly if if that continues. Oh. So just kind of forcing myself to, I don't know, play a bit of piano, like actually touch an instrument, you know, it's been so long. Yeah. So I'm coming up with little things here and there, but I don't, it's not, my my main goal is to not write songs, it's just to come up with music and and write words and maybe try and, try and work outside of um, what I usually do. But who knows, you know, it's such early days. Yeah. This record got handed in at the end of July, you know, mm-hmm. it's like such a long lead up time. Um, so it does feel like the making of it was really f- feels far away already. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I ordered it from the, uh, merge record store with their, uh, some sort of peak vinyl thing. I think, I hope I did that. I think I did that. Uh, if people want to learn more and, Oh yeah. So what I was going to get at there is if people want to learn more about, uh, this record and destroyer, one destination would be the merge record site. Uh, I think the last time we chatted, you quasi denied you had anything to do with an Instagram related to the Destroyer band. I have never, I've never looked at it once. Okay, so I, I, yeah, I'm not accused. That sounded like an allegation on my part. I'd like to, I'd like to re- retract what I said. Uh, I think maybe I was trying to deny having any knowledge of who is actually in in charge of it. Oh, that's what it was. But, but maybe it was that. But you do know who made it. It's not some scoff law. It's a real. It's a real thing. It's a real um, thing. Okay. It's, yeah. It's relatively authentic. It's it's a real. It's an official destroyer Instagram, um, whatever you call it. But I just have never looked at it, or I don't know how to log into it. Right. So what you're saying is I should not be offended when the destroyer account doesn't like my photos. It's not you. you it's, should, it's nothing personal between you, you and I. You should just send. You should just text me your photos. <laughs> Well, I usually do, but I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> I, have, I have done that. I'm not gonna. You need to cut. You need to cut out the middleman. Just text me your Damn. goddamn photos. And then you can now with the Apple, you can tap back. You can do the little yeah. like thing. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I'll, just, I'll tell you I'll what I think. Start doing that from now on. No. Uh, <laughs> no. Okay. So, uh, any other things you want to point people to? You're not on Twitter. Uh, you have like nope. a website or something. Uh, no. Okay. No. All right. Merge Records. We'll yeah. send everyone to Merge. That's where our and their local record stores and their local concert venues. That's what we're aiming to do. Yeah, yeah. it's Mer- Merge Records. Unless you're listening in um, Europe for some reason, in which case you would look up Bella Union Records. Oh, right. That's, that's my my new European record label. Oh, congratulations! Good for you. 
Mm-hmm. Good, good. Now, if there's a song uh, from uh, Labyrinthitis that we can go out on, Dan, uh, keeping in mind that the record's going to be out in the next uh, week or so, uh, as we're speaking, I wonder if you can choose a song uh, for us to go out on, uh, and if so, can you tell us why you chose it? Um, I would maybe choose. I would maybe choose the song June, though. I should warn you, it's really long. No, that's fine. There's no no that's issue okay. there. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of. It has a, a lot of the band on it. It has a kind of the most intense, maybe the most intense of John Collins' production fingerprint on it. Mm-hmm. And the second half of it is um, kind of a really unexpected piece of music and unexpected piece of writing. And I kind of, I kind of shocked myself by really enjoying, really enjoying just speaking, speaking little bits of, of poems over music, which is something I don't have a history of ever doing hmm. to to the point where I thought maybe this is something I could try again and again. Yeah, so that's maybe why I would choose June. No, it's a great choice, and I alluded earlier to some of the old-school, uh, prototypical rap technique I hear, but I will also say, and I don't know how if this will rub you the wrong way, or John even, but I also hear a little, like, kind of Kanye production or Kanye attack. Kanye West is who I'm referring to, not a different Kanye. Um, yeah, that's that's the second time that that's someone else said that about that, about that half, second half of the song, and I don't know... Kanye's music well enough to to really know but it does I mean there's kind of like yeah I mean I wish I I wish I knew exactly what it was so here's what I'll say to you Dan just to give you a roadmap and I'm not uh, as a as a you have to understand I come from a place where I'm trying to be mindful of the fact that the person has all this uh, clearly having mental health issues and something has happened there. But I was a tremendous fan. Yeah. And would go see him. And what I'll, t- what I'll say to you in terms of this reference point, and I don't know if John, have you talked to John about this, by the way? You say so the second person has mentioned it, but have you talked to John about what they're, where this might be coming from? Uh, I think like for us, it's always more like Adrian Sherwood or something, or like, sure. uh, yeah. you know, just like, I think we were always thinking more in the terms of, almost 80s industrial yeah uh, but the pop the poppier side of that you know yeah you weren't going pig face but there's some mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> more, there's more some... <laughs> like more like um, you know that pump up the volume song yes of course by Mars yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah 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 so what I'm what I was gonna say though is just to give you a little roadmap check out the album Yeezus yeah by Kanye West in particular because where we're coming from is really that that pitch modulation that pitch shifting the voice uh, becoming uh, evil. The same voice that you've just been spending time with suddenly taking on a different character and sounding like a nightmare. That's, right. I think, where some of us... It's very trite on the one hand, but I yeah. I hear it, and there's a song on Yeezus called I Am a God, which it, this sort of technique is all over it. And uh, if you can get past some of the questionable lyricism you will probably see some it was a bit of a production departure for him and okay, I'll check like it Rick out. Rubin worked on a couple of tracks apparently which what well, I don't even know what that means I think he just sits there and goes like good yes. uh, but anyway my point is uh, check out Yeezus 
and and text me photos of you listening to it, and I will like like, <laughs> them, like or dislike them. Like or dislike yeah. them. Uh, for now, though, from the brilliant new Destroyer album Labyrinthitis, which is out on Merge Records, this is June. Dan, I uh, always appreciate your time and your candor and your patience with me and my uh, various forms of idiocy. Thank <laughs> yeah. you so much for being back on the show and for making time for me, and I wish you the best of luck in the future. Um, thank you. It's always fun. <laughs> For more pay, happy to strike. For more pay, happy to Yeah.
heart was a carriage made of gold. How the arithmetic of this guitar melts your heart is beyond me. And when I say beyond me, I mean beyond me. Love you, I barely know you. It goes to show who really knows what love is. The branches, the breeze, the roiling seas, none of it seems worth mentioning. Though I'm in the process of figuring it out, even if it's elementary. Scrapyard angel wings of brass, ash, a river called trash. And speaking of life, like this is what life's like. My eyes here, you thread the needles and the needles drive. You thread the needles and the needles drive. Inward crackle says the fink to himself. Let it go off, let it go off, let it go off, let it go off, let it go off like a hydrogen bomb. But I do radiate a certain glow. It flutters and fades. A Ferris wheel on the run from the snow. You have to look at it from all angles, says the Cubist judge from Cubist jail. The sky glows. The heat is unbearable. Parrot weather. My decision is final. A crazy game. I traded a moonlight for the morning dew. I know dusk when I see one. I know rust when I see it. You come out swinging, but you go down swinging too. You pay good money for a million dollar view, flipping the pages of Chatelaine. The rude empiricism of every troubled loser, quote unquote unquote. A moment alone, please. A moment alone, please. A moment alone, please. With this, with this, with this rhapsody. With this rhapsody. Vital information from where I'm standing. Low-born Madonna with her typewriters in the rain clocking their misfortunes. Speech, speech. A figure of lights trapped inside your friends. Where'd you go? And while we're on the subject of psychotic passwords, honing in on nothing. Everywhere Rome goes, everybody wants her. Oh fuck, I feel like a discovery someone once saw on a clear day. Dump him. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That's always very fun to have Dan on the show. So thanks again to Dan for being back on this show. 
which was the 674th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at Vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. Six dollars or more a month grants you access to some exclusive content. Some of it is uh, digging into my archives, my audio archives that uh, precede this podcast some of it is uh, a little bit of bonus chatter with current guests that's kind of where it's sitting right now there might be some odd video content and other things to come but that's where it's that's where it is right now and uh so yeah if you're interested you can six dollars or more gets you that stuff you can donate uh, whatever amount you want each month and you can change it you can increase it or decrease it whatever you want to do it's quite flexible uh so yeah please consider doing that. And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last and just as soon as is humanly possible. Thanks again to the fine Alberta record retailer, Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about at their website, blackbird.ca. Also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my dear old friend Jim Guthrie for lending me some music uh, to play on this show, which you're hearing behind me right now. That's Jim. And you can learn more about him and his wonderful world of music at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with uh, Dan uh, Destroyer there. Uh, Dan's been on the show multiple times now, four or five times, maybe three, four times. I've lost track. It's always a pleasure to have Dan on. So if you enjoyed this uh, conversation, I hope you'll dig in to the other ones if you haven't heard them before. If you're new to the show, please consider subscribing to it and following it. Uh, whatever you want to do, and we'll tell your friends about it. The people who stay, uh, you know, who have been keeping tabs of the show, I think they do that. They tell their friends about it. So if you want to do that, that would be great. And uh, otherwise, I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.